Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. I remember what I learned about the Rogerian counseling was you never give answers. You just repeat back to them what you heard them say. And then you ask questions. You never give answers. Well, biblical counseling, you give answers, okay? But it, the purpose of that, was actually God sometimes does that. He's not giving answers. He's asking questions because by his Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us to the right answers. Now, like I told you, here's what happens next with these brothers. Soon these brothers begin to share the Lord with the Lord. Isn't that kind of weird? Look at verse 19 again. And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. They're telling Jesus about Jesus. They're sharing the Lord with the Lord. Okay? Kind of interesting. Now, here's part of the problem here, and I want you to recognize this in religion itself. They knew so much about Jesus, but they didn't have the whole story. They had a good picture of Jesus, but they were just missing one little crucial part. It was an incomplete gospel. And, and I think many religious people today, they know so much about Jesus, and they could tell you so much, but their hope is not there because it's an incomplete story. And that's why it's so important for us to continue to be students of Scripture and always move forward in our understanding of the Scripture, that we're not missing pieces, that we see the whole picture. If you've got questions, keep reading, keep asking, keep seeking. Jesus said, seek and you will find. Don't stop because you're stumped. Don't go, oh, there's so much you don't understand, so I'm going to stay here. No, there's so much you don't understand. Keep digging. Talk to people who know answers. Read your Bible yourself. That's the first and most important thing. Read the Bible yourself. I recently had a conversation with somebody who was a theological disagreement with me, and, and he says it's because uh, I'm this kind of, I follow this kind of theologian rather than that kind of theologian, this theology rather than that theology. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things I came to conclusion years ago before I knew any of these theologians' names because I was just reading my Bible. I recommend learn theology by studying your Bible, not by studying all of these Founding fathers, even, and great theologians of the Reformation. People just, sometimes people just, it's like that's their Lord and Savior rather than Jesus and, and the Bible. Okay, so get back. Go back. Go back before the Reformation. Go back before the church fathers. Go back to the beginning and stick with your Bible. It's a safe place to be, okay? So, verse 21, then says, uh, they're still telling Jesus what's going on, but then they says, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happen. Well, if you are listening, the third day is quite significant, guys. If you're paying attention, they were hoping. 
Here's your next fill-in. Half the gospel leaves you hopeless. Half the gospel leaves you hopeless. Without the resurrection, you have a dead Savior and a dead religion. I think there are so-called Christian churches or Christian cults and sometimes mainline denominations that they forget or they've drifted from the truth. I told you before, I went to a wedding, a wedding once where the, uh, the, the pastor who did the wedding, uh, you could tell by listening, this pastor didn't believe the full gospel. And I, had, I went and sat with her during the, um, during the reception, and she didn't believe in the resurrection. She didn't even understand the gospel. She goes, well, Jesus just died to show us we shouldn't be afraid of death. Are you kidding me? The reason Jesus came and died was to show us not to be afraid to die. Come with me. We'll all die together. That's stupid. That's empty. You've got to get the whole picture. Because otherwise you have a dead Savior and your religion is dead. And, of course, in verse 21, they says, Today's the third day. Ding. That should tell you something. As Jesus already said, on the third day he was going to rise, you know, they were paying closer attention. If they were paying closer attention to Jesus' teaching, they wouldn't be headed home on the third day. They'd be sticking around. The story goes on, verse 22. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that he had also seen a vision, or they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said. But him they did not see. So these guys had heard that part of the story too. They heard all the way up to the point where the body's gone and angels or some men with shiny clothes on, said that he's alive. They were slow of heart. They, God help us. With all the picture that they just described, you get excited because you know that you watched this movie already. You know how the story ends. But they're missing it. They're slow of heart. And if you don't think they were slow of heart, well... Let's see, where did I leave off? Look at verse uh, 22. Yeah, oh, I read verse 22 through 24. Uh, if you don't think they're slow of heart, look at verse 25. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. Okay, so Jesus labels them. <laughs> slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things to, and to enter into his glory? And so here's Jesus now. And by the way, Jesus is about to tell them about Jesus. They told Jesus about Jesus. Now Jesus is about to tell them about Jesus. It says in verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There's the Lord giving a Bible study about the Lord. I remember back in California, I don't know how many of you guys know Pastor Raul Reese. He was very popular in California, but he's a funny guy, and he had this accent, and he'd always say, Oh, praise the Lord for the Lord, man. He does stuff like that. You just go, okay, well, here's the Lord teaching about the Lord. I, I, I like that. So, and by the way, I think I put this in your notes for everybody, but the growth group is going to go over them because I've had people who are skeptics saying, where in the scriptures does it tell you about Jesus? Like, like they can't find it anywhere in the Old Testament. Well, I put just a few down for you. You might see them if you want to look them up. There's all different aspects of Jesus' life described in these. And I'm asking the growth groups to pick some of these and maybe look at some of those to study about what Jesus might have been saying to these guys. What, what a Bible study that would have been, huh? Wouldn't you, would you go to church if Jesus taught every Sunday? Huh? 
Well, I appreciate you're here now, even Mikey's teaching, but I think we'd have more people showing up if Jesus was teaching. I think he likely told them, speaking of the Old Testament, he likely told them that the Messiah was the seed of woman, spoken about in Genesis, whose heel was bruised, the blessing of Abraham to all nations, promised to Abraham, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the one who wrestled with Jacob, remember that story, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the voice from the burning bush, uh-huh, the Passover lamb, the prophet greater than Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua, the ultimate kinsman redeemer, kinsman redeemer that you read about in Ruth, the son of David, who was the king greater than David. The suffering savior of Psalm 22. The, the good shepherd of Psalm 23. The wisdom of the Proverbs. The lover of, of the Song of Solomon. The savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. The princely Messiah of Daniel, who would establish a kingdom that would never end. Oh, there's so much. I, I, I don't know how long this walk was. It's only seven miles, but I don't know how he'd fit it all in to tell that Jesus would tell these folks what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. Our story continues in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, that means Emmaus, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's, it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. That's another curious thing. Not only do we see Jesus seeming to play dumb earlier, but now he's acting like, no, nah, I'm going to keep going. Until so they go, no, no, don't keep going. I think, I think the Lord knows just what we need. I think the Lord sometimes baits us to get us to go or to do or say what we need to say or do or go. I think God, he's acting like he's going to keep going. Oh, you're, this isn't your final, <clears throat> your final stop? Well, why don't you stop with us anyway? It's getting late. Come and eat with us, you know? Kind of interesting. Um, I stopped in the middle of where I was going to say this. Verse 30. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Well, that's when I'd want him to stick around. Strange, you know, this isn't the way I would write it. If this was made up stuff, I'd write it, and then they talked more with him, and they had dessert, and I don't know, but he broke the bread. Matter of fact, he didn't even say he ate. He broke the bread, prayed, prayed over it, broke the bread, gave it to them, and they just knew this... That's the way Jesus prayed. Hello? And that, where'd he go? Interesting story. He vanished from their sight. Now, verse 32. And he, they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Now, I'm going to stop here for a second because I think this is a real tip. They didn't know it's like, have you ever gone to church or heard a message or had an experience and other people were with you, but you think you're the only one feeling this, you know? It's like, whoa. I've had many times, whether it's, whether it's the, at a message or reading my Bible or at a Bible study where I just felt like, whoa, God is speaking personally to me and my heart is burning. And I have no idea that the person sitting next to me, their heart's burning too. It's now they're comparing notes. Now they're going, did you feel it? Did, did you get it too? And they're all admitting, our hearts were burning. You know what? Look for that. I get goosebumps thinking about it because I know at any given Sunday, any given, you could do it on a radio listening to the, a Bible study and your heart is burning. Your heart is being stirred because God's speaking to you. You know God can speak to you in so many more ways than you think. 
Do you know that, I mean, I, it's funny, um, I can tell you there's been times I've gone to church, even when I'm a, I went with a friend to his church, and I remember one time the preacher actually called me out. There's a long story, I'm not going to tell it. But there's times I feel like my friend told the pastor about me. And everything they said was about me, right? You ever go to church and feel like the pastor read your emails? You ever go to church and you felt like, who told the pastor what's going on in my life? Let me tell you something. This should be a relief to you. The pastor doesn't know what's going on in your life. But God does. And so many times, you go to church and you're hearing from the Lord and your heart's burning and your emotions are stirring. And don't think anybody told me about you. Don't think I have, I know what you did last night. You know, I'm not... I'm not that spiritual. But God knows. And God speaks through his word. And God speaks to his people. It could be the pastor. It could be your Christian friend. As you gather and talk together. And Jesus comes and stands in your midst. And joins you in your journey. Talk about Jesus often. Because sometimes the greatest ways that Jesus speaks to us. Is when we don't even know it's him speaking. Because this is it here. Didn't our hearts burn within us. While he talked with us on the road. And while he opened the scriptures to us, there's a key. By the way, I have to say this. If you go to a church and they're not opening the scriptures, get out of there. Okay? I know some churches, they're exciting too. I mean, the music is good. The talk is good. It's a talk. It's great stories, funny jokes, even talk about things in the news. It's all exciting. Oh, it keeps my attention. I never fall asleep when I go there. Are they opening up the scriptures to you? I make no apology about it that I don't spend my time talking about the news. Oh boy, there's things in the news right now that I could talk about. And I do have opinions. But we're not going to open our Bible to Second Opinions, chapter 3. Okay? <laughs> we're going to open our Bible and find out what the Lord says to you. That's what I'm going to stay focused on. You're going to get the Word of God. Okay? Anyway, keep, keep moving. Verse 33. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. <laughs> they just got, finally got to Emmaus and it was, they already told Jesus it was getting late. Stay here, it's getting late. Now they go, we got to go back. <laughs> Seven miles, I don't care, I'll run it. After we just met Jesus, right? They returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven. So they had to look up Peter and the disciples, the apostles, and, and those who were with them. And they gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Peter, you're right. <laughs> it says, and, and they told them about these things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You didn't think I was going to cover 34 chapters, uh, 35 verses today, huh? You know how slow I usually move. You didn't think I'd make it to verse 35. Here we are. But there's a couple more things I do want to say, okay? It's interesting in verse 34. Now they believe Peter's testimony. And we're all slow like this, okay? Join the club. We could start a slow people club, okay? Uh, uh, there were times when I was fast, but I don't know if I was ever fast with spiritual things. They're slow. And, and even personal experiences shared by others seem to be suspicious or doubtful. You know, maybe they, they heard the story. They were telling Jesus about it. Yeah, the women went to the tomb. They said they saw angels. They went back. Peter and, Jan, and John said it was empty. And they, they know the story, but yeah, sometimes I don't know what they were smoking, you know. We could do that. We could hear testimonies from other people, and we're still skeptical and, and slow and even doubtful of things. Until we have our own personal encounter with the Lord. Uh -huh. But now let me just warn you of something. When you do have your own personal encounter. How many of you guys ever feel like the Lord really personally, in many ways, he's shown himself to you. You've had a personal encounter with the risen Savior. Huh? Okay. 
let me tell you something. You, you'll probably agree with this. Otherwise, get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is that even when you have a personal encounter with the Lord, it's just enough to win you over, but it may not be enough to, to convince anybody else. You know, recently I, I shared a testimony of something that happened to me when I was in high school or just out of high school with an atheist. I told him, how, matter of fact, I think I, I shared the story with you last week about how, how the Lord, the radio program, remember? The Lord, how do I know I'm not just talking to myself? How do I know that I'm, I'm not just going crazy? How do I know that I'm not just losing it? You know, I turn on Christian radio and preacher, how do you know that you're not just talking to yourself when you pray? Yeah, you know? And, and I get the whole message back after I just said that to the Lord. It was just all I needed to hear. But I've told that story to others, atheists. I've actually had one guy, I remember sitting across the table from a Jewish intellectual and his wife, and I told them that story. And they said, wow, that's just coincidence. Unfortunately, our personal experiences can be blown off by others. They'll either say, I don't know what you were smoking, or it was just a coincidence, or that's nice, good for you. Everybody's got to believe something. I'm glad you get something to believe. Unfortunately, that's how it is until they have their own personal. So, you know, somebody who doesn't know the Lord, pray that they meet the risen Savior. Pray that Jesus reveals himself to them because that's really what they need. They don't need to hear you lecture. They may not need any more of your stories. They need the risen Savior. Okay, we got a few minutes left here. And, and there's, I want to talk about something. That one of the, I listen to a lot of pastors throughout the week, and I read a lot of commentaries, and I want to make sure I'm not missing anything in the text I'm going to cover. And one pastor brought up something that I thought was worth repeating. So uh, four benefits of Christ's resurrection, and that's your fill-in, okay? I'm gonna, and you might want to squeeze in where you're going to write any extra notes. But uh, there's benefits of, of our being justified by faith in Christ's resurrection, okay? If you want to, you might want to open your Bible to, to uh, Romans chapter 4, because I'm going to read a few from 4 and going into 5. Romans chapter 4, chapter 4, and then a little bit of chapter 5. In Romans chapter 4, verse 21, Paul's explaining about how you were justified by faith, and he used Abraham as an example. And he talks about Abraham believing God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and it says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised was he was able to perform. That's, that's a good picture of faith, right? That's a good definition of faith. What God promised, he's able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What made Abraham righteous? He believed God. That's it. Well, don't you have to jump through the hoops and do all the things right? Don't eat that and don't smoke that and don't drink that and don't do the... Well, that comes around once you start walking with God and you're righteous. You start acting like you're righteous. You start living like what you are, I should say. Okay? But it goes on to say, now... It was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Do you ever catch that before? He was delivered up, meaning he went to the cross for our sins or our offenses. He paid the price for our sins, but he was raised, Paul says, because of our justification. I like that. What it's saying is, because it took, because the sacrifice was accepted, and we were forgiven and justified, he was raised. Deal done. Your receipt, your proof of purchase, the resurrection. So I told you I was going to give you four benefits of Christ's resurrection. We're going to go into Romans chapter 5. Here's the first one. Peace with God. Peace with God. Romans 5 one says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that's really important. The first step, that's real, it's funny, I'm, t- I'm reading from Romans 5, and I need to turn to it myself. Okay, uh, no more dread of punishment, no more fear of wrath. Instead of enmity between you and God, you have peace with God. Okay, now by the way, there's a whole other Bible study, the difference between having peace with God and having the peace of God. We could talk about that another time, but briefly, let me just tell you, there's people who have peace with God, but they're not experiencing the peace of God because they're letting things get to them. They're letting things trouble their mind or they're in sin or something. You're not experiencing the peace of God even though you have peace with God. You're born again and you put your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You have peace with God, okay? The second one is found in verse 2. Access by faith into his grace. The word is access. Look at verse 2. Through him, through whom, we also have access by faith into his grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but God just graces us. Grace is, is also power to live a righteous life. I'm not, I don't live righteous because I've got, I've got, you know, I'm, that's who I am. It's because God's grace is in my life, and he gives me the grace to live righteous and proper. The, the, so, number one, peace with God. Number two, access by faith. And number three, the hope of God's glory. We got hope now because of the resurrection. Look at Romans 5 uh, to the second half. It says, And by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We've got a hope that the world doesn't have. I'm telling you, folks. We've got the hope of God's glory. And we've got a glorious hope of eternity with God in heaven. I like the way Paul put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You want to know what heaven's like? I can't show you because it, we haven't got the whole picture yet. We have a hope that when we get there, we're going to go, oh, we're going to just fall on our face before him and worship him forever and ever because it's far beyond what words can describe. That's why you don't, you can read your Bible and, all you want and you're not going to get too much description of everything what heaven looks like and everything you're going to be doing in heaven other than worshiping God and glorious, okay? It's going to be wonderful. So the hope of God's glory. Four. What's the benefit, the fourth benefit of Christ's resurrection? A new understanding of suffering. I want you to catch this. Those of you who like to sleep in church, wake up. This is important. It's a new understanding of suffering. Look at verse 3 in Romans 5. And not only that, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. God's doing a work in my life. I'll get through this. God will be with me through it, and he's going to do a work in my life. Verse 4, and perseverance, character. And character, hope. You know what? There, there's nothing that makes you a better person more than going through suffering, going through trouble, going through tribulation, and staying with Jesus through it. Now, the, the, some people, they, turn, they, they walk away from the Lord. It's not benefiting you. You stay with Jesus. He stays with you. And, and you get through the other end. It says character and character, hope. Verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. Wait a minute. You look at Christ's death, burial, resurrection. You look at his torture. You look at all the terrible things they did to him, and you see how it turned out for him. There was a resurrection. And when, when he rose, it was worth it all. I promise you guys something. All the trouble you go through, all the trials, the temptations, the tribulation you deal with in this life, the illnesses, the disappointments, everything you go through in this life, stay with Jesus. He stays with you. You get to the other end, it's going to be worth it all because it's, gonna be, it's producing in you um, perseverance and character 
and hope. God's doing a work in you that can only be done through trouble. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it either, okay? You're going, well, I quit. No, don't quit. It's worth it all, and it's going to be worth it all. I've told you many times, when we get to heaven, and I remind you, remember that bad thing that happened to you back on earth? You're going to say, shut up. Remember the terrible trial you went through back in 2019, 2020 through 22? <laughs> remember how awful it was? You're going to say, Look at this. Forget about it. Glory to God. It's going to be worth it all. I promise you. Stick with Jesus. It'll be worth it all. Suffering has a higher purpose. And we see that in Christ's suffering. In Romans 5, 3 through 5, we see it in our lives. That suffering, or our understanding of Romans 5, changes our outlook on everything. I squeezed it all in there. 35 verses. We're going to wrap it up. Let's, let's pray. Father, we bow before you. And I lift up before you, my brothers and sisters, Lord. And Lord, I know there are several different things you could be saying to each. You could be speaking personally to us exactly what we need to hear. And we don't know, Lord, when you're walking with us, help us to catch it. Help us to see that that's you speaking. Help us to understand when you're whispering in our ear and we think it's someone else or something else. Lord, help us to recognize your hand in our life. Father, I pray for the Christians here who've been stuck in a slump and are slow to learn and just are stuck. Lord, help us to patiently wait upon you, knowing that you're going to bring about the full dawning of the sun until we're in the daylight. Help us to wait on you and trust in you and know that it's worth it all. And Father, I lift up to you if there's anybody listening by live stream or here in the sanctuary who doesn't know you, who maybe you've been whispering in their ear this morning. You've been whispering and giving them answers, even telling them things that they've been praying about, wondering about, a question, and they know it's you speaking. If that's you I'm describing, would you just call on the Lord right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or come forward, but the Lord's waiting to hear from you. Would you just whisper a prayer to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you're the Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose again from the dead. And Lord, believing these things, I surrender. I trust you as my Lord and as my Savior. Take my life. Use it for your glory. I trust in you as my Savior. hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.